You know, we live in a world, if you're an atheist or if you're a Christian, you would have to agree that, that our morals are changing, that things, things aren't the way they used to be. Uh, and it's, uh, you can have your view on whether it's good or bad. I have mine. I just want to share with you, this is just a few things. This is from 2001 to 2015, the last 14 years, how thoughts in America, in America alone, how thoughts on some major issues have changed. Sex between a, an unmarried man and woman, morally acceptable. 2001, 53% of Americans said it was. This year, 68%. That's pretty dramatic. Almost 70% of Americans say it's okay. Gay or lesbian relationships in 2001, it was 40%. Now it's 63% say it's acceptable. Sex between teenagers, not teenagers who are married, but just teenagers having sex. 56% of people in America say that's okay. That's okay. Doctor-assisted suicide. In 2001, it was 49%. Today, it's 56 Not a great jump, but that's pretty scary to think that uh, more than half of Americans think it's okay for you and your doctor to decide whether you, they, they, they can go ahead and help you die or not. How do we live as Christians in an ever-changing landscape? That's what we're going to talk about the next several weeks. We're starting a sermon series titled, For Times Like These. I want to share with you a quote. I hijacked it. I don't know where it came from, so it's not original. But I think it's great, and it sums up where we are and what we're to do. An entire sea of water cannot sink a ship unless the water gets inside of the ship. Isn't that good? A small boat on the ocean can stay afloat on the ocean and do well as long as it's on top of the ocean. But if the ocean gets in it, that is when the boat will sink. So see, here's our goal as a church. And if you're a Christian, we're not to try to hide from the world. In fact, the Bible says we're to be in the world, but not of the world. And if we're going to navigate life successfully, if we're going to be Christians in a church that makes a difference in a world where people were killed this week because they profess to be a Christian in America, if we're going to make a difference, we've got to learn how to be in the world, but not of the world, to to, to navigate the water without the water getting in us. We're going to start this series today in 1 Timothy 4.16. A little verse can be so easy to miss in your Bible reading, but I think these are foundations. If you're not a Christian, I would tell you this is, this is the foundations of Christianity. Christianity is a beautiful thing. It's certainly moral. It has absolute truths, but it is something grounded uh, in love. But we're going to start with this this morning. How do you... Navigate the ocean without letting the water get into you. It begins with this. Carefully build your beliefs on the Bible. Carefully build your worldview, your philosophy on the Word of God. Now listen, everybody in here, you have a worldview. You have a philosophy. You have... You have a a lens that you look through, whether you're conscious of it or you're unconscious of it, you do. And and I want to just ask you, what's going to be, what is going to be the thermometer, what's going to be the temperature gauge in your life? Is it going to be the world? Is it, how about the Supreme Court? Wouldn't the Supreme Court be a good group, nine 
highly educated, sophisticated people and look serious in their black robes, wouldn't they be a good group? Well, I don't know. Uh, I want to share with you, you know, the Supreme Court made, uh, made big headlines in June when they said gay marriage is legal in America. And I want to share with you some other decisions that the Supreme Court of the United States has made in the past. In uh, 1857, March of 1857, Dred Scott v. Sanford, the Supreme Court of the United States, effectively legalized slavery resulting in uh, the Civil War, which happened in three years. How many of you would agree those clowns got that wrong? Yeah, yeah, like 10 million miles wrong. 1896, the Supreme Court, in another very important case, basically legalized segregation, the separate but equal reasoning, which basically said, and it was primarily directed at black people and white people, that, that we're equal, but we need to be separate. So for 60 years, you had the country promoting prejudice and racism. How many of you think they got that wrong? And in 1973, the Supreme Court of the United States legalized abortion. And since that time, we've had 55 to 60 million uh, babies aborted. How many of you agree there's got to be a better gauge for your life than the Supreme Court of the United States? Hey, they speak in legal matters. There's no question. That's in our Constitution. But I want to tell you the Supreme Court's not the gauge of ultimate truth. I saw a college student, this is about 10 years ago, who put out this thing on the Internet. He had started a new religion, and the new religion was based on this. There's no truth. Here was their statement. We believe, we absolutely believe there is no absolute truth. Think about the oxymoronicness of that. We are dogmatic that there's nothing you can be dogmatic about. And my belief is I'd like to get that guy up in an airplane about 30,000 feet without a parachute on and say, I'm going to prove to you that the law of gravity is an absolute. Poof. There's that. I wouldn't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm a Christian. I'd be sweet to him, but... There is absolutes. What do we build it on? Verse 16 of chapter 4. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Preserve in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. God wrote this letter through Paul to Timothy. Timothy was a young man. I don't know. He may have been in his late 20s, early 20s. He's a pastor. He's a pastor in the city of Ephesus. And this is a wild city. It's an immoral city. It's a city that has a a plethora of gods that they worship. And the church is a hard church, too. Uh, People are kind of mean. And and already, listen, this is about 62 or 63 A.D. So you're talking about 25 years or so after the death and resurrection of Christ. False teachings are already sneaking into the church. Bad beliefs are sneaking into the church. And here's what... God, through Paul, says to him, watch your life and your doctrine closely. And we're going to focus on that doctrine because I do believe it is the first in the order of these, even though it's not worded here, I think throughout the rest of this little book and in the Bible, it is. What, What is he saying here? He's telling Timothy and he's telling us, you have got to guard what you believe. You've got, you need to build your worldview, your philosophy on the Word of God. Some of you go, well, I look at the Old Testament, it's confusing. If you feel that way, we can help you understand it better. But just go to the New Testament, 27 books of the New Testament, and camp out there the rest of your life. 2 Timothy 3.16, this is what it says about the New Testament. 
All Scripture is God-breathed. That's Old Testament and New. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Listen, I, I believe if God breathed it, it's perfect. I believe that with all my heart. And he's telling him, he's saying, watch your doctrine closely. That word doctrine means your beliefs. Sometimes when you talk about doctrine, people go, oh, it's going to be so boring and dry and dull. The word doctrine, everybody's got a doctrine. Everybody's got a belief system. You have a theology and understanding of God. And he's saying, what you believe, your doctrine is extremely important. He says, watch it in this verse. Show them the verse one more time, Brian. He says, watch, which means retain it, grasp it. Get a hold on what you believe. Let the Bible be the parameters of your life. How can we navigate in a world today which is constantly becoming more and more post-Christian, even anti-Christian? You can't control anybody else, but you can control you. We can control this church. And we need to let the Bible be the boundaries for our lives, our families, and our church. That's what he's telling us. You get a hold on this. So Now listen, for this to happen, you've got to read your Bible. You've got to study your Bible. You need to memorize your Bible. You need to hear the Bible preached and taught as much as you can. Listen, the early church, they were so weird, they probably went to church every single day of the week. Can you imagine that? Some of you are going, man, I'm so glad I was born 2,000 years later. Uh, but you can't get enough of it if you're going to build your life on it. Think about this. How much time are you on the Internet? How much time do you watch TV? How, how much? I, I wish I would have just measured how much football I've watched in the last 48 hours. I don't think it was sinful, but it was a whole lot. The shows my wife watched, you know, those girly shows, that's sinful. But football, you know, you're learning life lessons and stuff. But I digress. Uh, this is an interesting fact. I would bet in this building, I'm not even talking about on Sunday, we have 500 Bibles in this building. The library, the offices, storerooms. If you don't have a Bible, see me after church. There's no excuse for you to leave here today without a Bible. But here's something that's staggering. 1,800 languages in our world today do not have the Bible translated in their language. 1,800 1,800 people groups cannot read a Bible because it's not written in their language. Someday when you and I stand before God, that will not be our excuse, will it? Well, God, I got a red one for Christmas and I really like blue. I just couldn't read out of that red Bible. That's, that, that's our excuse. Man, read it. Frame your life, your family on the Word of God. Watch, be careful. Now, here's something interesting is he drives it home even more and he says this, hold on fast to this. If it's not enough to say watch your life and doctrine closely, look at the last sentence. Preserve in this. Continue in this. Stay in this. Remain in this. Be constant in this. Some of you this morning, I'm not thinking of anybody's names or anybody's faces. I'm just throwing this out there because you know it's true. Some of you are losing your grip on this. You used to be in church a lot more than you are. You used to read your Bible a lot more than you are. You used to study the Bible more. Your, your life was framed and hedged. The boundaries of your life are the Bible, but you're losing your grip on this. You're doing exactly what he's telling us not to do. Why is that so? Well, I, I mean, there's a million reasons. You don't like your Sunday school teacher. 
you don't like the music, the preacher, whatever. Uh, you're busy. You got a little bit lazy. You've been there, you've done that. And listen, when you begin to lose your attentiveness to the Word of God in your life, the boundaries in your life begin to, begin to slip. It's amazing some people who would have never believed or taught some things that they're teaching today. They wouldn't have done it 10 years ago. You know why? They, let, let, they didn't hold on tight to their belief and being centered in the Bible. I called Dr. Kelly Crittenden this week. Kelly's sitting out here on the front row. So if this is wrong, this is all Kelly's fault. Kelly's a, an engineering professor at Tech, and it's, it's not wrong because Kelly uh, told me what to say. So, But it's very interesting. The second law of thermodynamics, obviously a, a, an important law of, of the universe, it basically says this. This is a real layman's simple term, but everything that's left to itself tends to deteriorate. I, you know, it's amazing. You buy a house. Is that right, Kelly? Semi? Okay. Uh, I don't want to get sued. If you were to buy a house, put furniture in it, and it's clean, it's neat, and then you disappear and you come back five years later, that house is not going to still be clean, neat. It's going it's to deteriorate. And see, that's what happens to us spiritually. If we don't stay on top of the game, the devil never stops working, friend. And if you don't hold on tight to the truths of the Bible, if you're not constantly feeding yourself the truths of God's Word, what's going to happen is, is you're going to become more and more open in a bad way. I, I saw this this week. I was reading an article, and this minister said this. He said, in our religion, his religion uh, upbringing, they believe the Bible's important. That kind of got me nervous when he said important. Then he said, but we also believe our tradition our experience and reason, all of those four come together to help us decide truth. Here's, here's, I'm just going to use myself as an example. If I put the, my reasoning, my experience on the level with the Bible, I am headed for disaster. And so are you. Listen, here's a great thing about the Baptists. We're a Baptist church. Baptists don't have a book except the Bible. Isn't that cool? You know, we, we, if you say, well, what does it say in the Baptist book? I'm going to say, the Holy Bible is the book that we go by. That's a great thing. Your reasoning, your church's tradition, your experiences, don't frame your life on those things. Frame your life on the Bible. And uh, Abraham Lincoln said this in 1864. He said, it's impossible to know right and wrong without the Bible. Isn't that good? It's not... We might get it. He said, it's impossible to know right and wrong without the Bible. And here is why this is ultimately so important. Your beliefs are going to determine your behaviors. Now, can you violate your beliefs? Absolutely. But a lot of times, people actually begin to change their belief to fit their behavior. We're seeing that a whole lot now. Your beliefs determine your behavior. Guard your worldview, your beliefs, build it on the Word of God. Okay, now here's the second thing. Carefully live your life according to the Bible. You see, here's telling Timothy, Timothy, let the Bible be the boundaries. Let it be the frame 
of your, your beliefs, of your worldview, of your philosophy. But it's not enough just to have good beliefs. You've got to live out the Bible. Have you ever known someone who really did have good beliefs, but they were just mean? Nobody just said, Justin, thanks, Justin Powell. Or, you know somebody who's got really good beliefs, but you know they're a cheat and they're a liar and they're all those things? Ah, that's terrible. See, and that's what he's addressing in verse, verse 16. Look at it with me. Watch your, not only your doctrine, but your life closely. Watch how you live. Pay attention to how you're living out the Word of God. You see, if you have wrong beliefs, that's like you're driving a train and you're on the wrong track. Buddy, it's sooner or later, you're going you're gonna to explode. But see, if, if you've got the right beliefs and you're living the wrong way, it's like you're on the right track going backwards. And you're going to have a record, a disaster at some point too. God says the Bible is ultimately not a book for us to argue or be philosophical about. It is a book to live out. You go, well, there's so much I don't understand. Certainly there's stuff we don't understand. We can disagree. Oh, there's some things that are debatable. Jesus is coming back, how, when, and all that. But the, we know he is. But it, it shouldn't be what you don't understand about the Bible that bothers you. It should be what you understand and aren't doing about the Bible that bothers you. James 1.22 says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Build your life on the Bible. Let it be your frame and your boundary. And then by all stinking means, do what it's telling you to do. Obey it. And he, and he hits home on this. Not only does he watch this carefully, preserve in this. Preserve, hold fast to it. Continue in it. Let's say this again in a different format, but, but in our room today, some of you have had really strong walks with Jesus. You've served, you've given, you were in church every time the doors were open, you studied your Bible, you prayed, but you're starting to lose your grip on that. There's things you say now that you wouldn't have said five years ago. There's things you watch or you do that you wouldn't have watched or done five years ago. And if you're looking at the world, then sure, what you're doing is normal, but you're losing your grip on your behavior. A law of medicine is a law of atrophy. Atrophy basically says that if muscles, we'll use muscles, aren't used, they begin to disintegrate. I had a little knee surgery a month ago, and it was interesting. After about a week, when the chubby swelling went down in my knee, and I could actually see my knee again, my right leg, which had been operated on, was I could already tell in one week the muscles were smaller and less defined in one week because of lack of use. And see, I think he's telling them that there and telling us, he's saying, listen, you're framing your life on the Word of God. You're framing your life on the Word of God. Now live it out. And be, listen, be careful that you continue to live it out preserving this. Some of you aren't preserving. And we're going to see in a moment this will lead to disaster. Be careful how you, what you believe and be careful, be careful, be careful to live it out. Remember the Christian life is not a, marath- a sprint. It is a marathon. You pace yourself. You keep running. But you, it, it's a lifelong thing of framing yourself on Jesus 
and living out Jesus. Now, here's, here's the third thing, and this is why we see ultimately this is so important. Your destiny as well as other people's destiny is at stake. You go, is it really that important what my worldview is? Absolutely. Is it really that important how I live out the Christian faith? Your destiny and the destiny, especially of those people you love and influence, is, is at stake. The verse, watch your life and doctrine closely, preserve in them. Because this will make a good sermon for a preacher to preach sometime. No, he says, because if you do, conditionally, if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Wow. The word save there, it can mean eternal salvation, heaven and hell salvation. It can also mean temporal or, or material, bringing someone to safety. And let's talk about us before we talk about other people. What you believe and how you live out your faith is huge to your future. It's absolutely huge. You're not a Christian. This is what it's about. If you are a Christian, pay attention. Because if you are a Christian, you've you've believed the right things about Christ and you've responded to him. But you can still train wreck your life. You can still bring disaster on your life. If you're not careful, you can make decisions that will ruin you, put you in jail, put you in trouble. You can can make decisions that can really cost you. I don't know, how many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? I'm not looking because you never raise your hands, but uh, isn't the Grand Canyon beautiful? It's so beautiful. This is, this is not a beautiful fact about the Grand Canyon. They say over the last 100 plus years, there's been uh, around 700 people who have died there. Now, some of them, you know, maybe a person uh, had a heart attack or, or then there's sadly some suicides there. But they say the majority of the deaths at the Grand Canyon revolve around two things. People ignoring the boundaries are thinking the rules just don't apply to them. They see that sign that says, don't proceed past this point. Ah, who cares? <gasps> or they, 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 they say this, and this is what a lot of Christians do. Well, that's, I know that, you know, but, but probably doing this one time won't hurt. And so I will, I'll just walk over here and look, <laughs> you know, and, and then the end comes. And see, this is what happens to many Christians. It's not that we set out to do evil or wrong. It's just that we don't guard our, we don't guard our world philosophy and keep it biblical. We don't guard our lives. And, and, and the Bible says you, you save yourself by doing these things. Certainly if you're not a Christian, by what you believe and then how you respond to that, the faith in Christ is going to determine your eternal destiny. But what you believe and how you live, it has a huge impact on you. But secondly, and this is the part that really disturbs me, it's how we influence other people. Preserving them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Wow. You're going to mess people up, or are you going to help people? You're going to be a blessing to people, or are you going to pull them down? You're going to help people go to heaven, 
Are you going to point him to hell? Clayton is standing in the back staring at me. Clayton is our, uh, our education discipleship pastor. Clayton was a youth minister for many years. And Clayton, I've heard him say this several times, that normally young people's commitment is, is less than their parents. So if parents are like on steroid Christians and they're like at a 99% commitment, which you need to be, their, their kids normally are going to be about a 90, 91, which is still pretty good. But when mom and dad are about a 45, junior and junior Etta come in at about a 30. Then by the time you've got great-grandkids, you've got kids that don't even know who Jesus Christ is. You say, does it really matter what I believe about the Bible? Does it really matter how attention I pay to how I live out my faith only if the people you love closest to matter to you does it matter (laughs) yes it matters preserving these so you will save yourself not only yourself but your hearers let me give you a creepy thought the word save I mentioned earlier to save materially temporally Internally, here's, here's the antonym to this word. Here's the opposite of this word. It means to destroy or banish or corrupt. You say, well, I'm not going to do anything positive maybe. I may hurt a few people. Banish, destroy, or corrupt. What you believe and how you live out your faith has a tremendous impact on those around you. I want to share with you a story, true story, that's played out in the last probably 18 months in America. It's about two pastors. One guy pastored a church in the Midwest. I think they probably ran about 10,000 on Sundays. It was in a big city, but that's still a huge church. This guy spoke all over the country. He wrote books. In fact, in our church... We used some of his material, didn't we, Josh, as discipleship stuff. He was great. He was great. He was great. And then he started making some money, and he started getting calls from Hollywood. I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, he he resigned his church. He went to Hollywood. And I saw an interview with him recently. And he was asked about all the sexual revolution in America today. And here's what... This pastor said, former pastor, he said, the church needs to get up and get with it and quit clinging to that ancient book and move into modern times. He was asked about whether people are lost without Jesus Christ, and and he said, some of the best Christians he knows are atheists. That's, again, an oxymoron. (laughs) A contradiction in terms. And he has messed up and hurt so many people. Not because his life went away, it's just what he believed. He let go of what he believed. But a second pastor is in it was in the Northwest. Pastor a church that ran about twelve thousand. Doctrinally, belief-wise, very sound, very conservative. He spoke at the conservative meetings, the conservative conventions, the conservative seminaries. 
I listened to him frequently. He, I agreed with a, a lot of what he said, not all. But it began to come out that he just was not a very nice person. He was just mean. Mean to his church members, mean to his ministers, mean to people around him. And eventually the pressure got so great, he just stepped down, which he probably should have done. But a church that was running 12,000 in September by November had closed its doors. Closed its doors. Doesn't exist anymore. And you know, it's scary for me, but it ought to be scary for all of us that if we don't pay attention to what we believe and constantly feed the right beliefs into our lives, And if we don't constantly, constantly monitor our behavior and stay the course, we're going to ruin our lives, but not only ours, we're going to ruin and hurt a lot of people around us. I think we can see why this is so important. Will you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, I hope God's speaking to your heart about what you need to do and how you need to respond to His Word. If you're not a Christian today, Jesus wants to save you. And if you're ready for that, would you pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's Son and that you died for me and rose for me. Jesus, come into my heart into my heart and today I surrender my life to you let me have your attention just for a minute we're going to stand in a second I want to challenge you to respond to Christ this morning maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life maybe you're ready to do that when we stand would you come would you come today and cross that line with Jesus maybe you'd like to join the church today One way you can do that, when we stand, just slip out and come down front. One of our ministers will help you. We're going to be a church that's going to try to love you. And we're going to be a church that's going to stay boundaried by the Bible. That's what you're looking for. You come today. Christian, maybe you're doing well with these things. Amen for you. Keep it up. Don't lose your grip. But maybe you're not. And you need to come back to God and and, and repent. Maybe where you're standing or at the altar. Whatever God's telling you to do, let's stand and respond to it.